Well, welcome. I'm uh, just honored that you guys showed up on uh, Christmas Day. You know, uh, how do we give God a gift? How do we thank God uh, before we ask ourselves, like, God, how do you bless us and what can you give us? Uh, what gifts do you have for us? Uh, one of the questions we might ask is, like, how do we give a gift to God and how do we honor God? And honestly, honoring Him with your time is uh, a big deal. Honoring Him with your presence and your thinking uh, and so, you know, saying, this is Christmas, I'm going to honor God with my time. There's lots of things pulling people every which way, good things, family things. Uh, this is not a message of condemning those that aren't here, but I am saying that you are here, uh, you're giving God your time. And uh, when we give God our worship, we give God our time, we give Him our thoughts, uh, this is the way we bless God and uh, give back, so to speak, uh, to God. So uh, I just uh, uh, wanted to thank you for that and just to recognize uh, your honoring the Lord. Uh, I want to get a quick uh, feedback. If anybody did uh, was part of the uh, cookie delivery yesterday, so Rod and Dasha Klinger uh, got a whole bunch of cookies from uh, Geraldo's uh, Bakery in Westboro, and then a whole bunch of folks from church went different places and did some uh, cookie deliveries to people that were working on Christmas Eve. And I don't know if anybody's got any fun stories or anybody was had fun delivering cookies. It's probably nobody. In. Joyce, you were here. Uh, who else did it? Who, who delivered any cookies? I'm asking people that everybody's working somewhere. Any good stories you want to share? Yeah, yeah come on up. Let's hear what happened. I mean, it's kind of random. You run into a place and say, hey, here's some cookies. And they're like, what? So um, uh, Mariah and Zoe and I went to Waterview Lodge. It's a brand new rehab facility on 135 in Ashland. Um, I don't know if anybody knows about it, but um, oh, you work there! Oh my gosh! So um, he knows about it. Yeah. Oh great! So that's Go where Adam. we went, and we met Dr. Desai. She greeted us when we went in, and we told her we were from Hopkinton Vineyard Church, and we just wanted to bless. Uh, people who are working on Christmas Eve. So she was really excited, and she took us to two of the floors, and we got to meet some of the nurses there, and everybody was really grateful. And um, I'm all, I, I have to confess, I'm always nervous when I have to go somewhere and you know greet people that I don't know and say hi, that's who I am. So it's you know kind of cold calling, and um, <laughs> I don't like doing that. But I got to say, I'm all I'm always really blessed. When I do do things like that, I feel like I get more than um, than I'm giving. So it was fabulous. She said, "Let me have your card. Um, we want to know about you." And she just was really happy that we were there. Thanks. Glad you went, Dasha. Do you want to say anything about your cookie delivery? I'm just asking people randomly, and and there you walked in. And Joyce, do you want to say anything or not? You don't have to. Uh, no, you don't. Joyce is like, uh, uh, Joyce is like, I don't like standing on a stage talking. I don't either. Um, so we did uh, downtown Hopkinton. Um, we did the CVS pharmacy. And uh, all fall, we fought against CVS coming there. So for me to go there and say, you know, hey, Merry Christmas and God loves you was like, oh, do I really? <laughs> but, um, but we did. And my husband did all the talking because he's much more gracious than I am. <laughs> and, um, and I think that the people were completely 
surprised and taken aback. And then we always go to our favorite Pan Thai restaurant here. And um, it was just so sweet because there was a lot more people than normally. And so when they saw us walk in with um, a, a package and um, saying Merry Christmas to people, the, the uh, people that were sitting in the restaurant were, I think, more taken aback than the um, owners because they know we come every year. <laughs> so that was really pretty neat. And I was so blessed by all of you and Joyce and um, Ari who kind of took the rest of the cookies that were supposed to, that were, we still had and they drove around um, in big circles to give them away. So thank you guys. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Dasha, for doing it. It's wonderful. Wonderful. I wanted to just uh, start by somebody did a survey and they were asking people about Christmas and, uh, you know, so what are you looking forward to in this weekend? What are you looking forward to for Christmas? And uh, here were some of the answers. One said, um, uh, when asked, uh, what are you celebrating this Christmas? Somebody said, uh, what am I celebrating? Not a lot. Uh, on the negative side. On the positive side, somebody said, the blessings we've had in our family this year. Uh, so they recognized that they'd been blessed. Uh, another person said, are we just uh, celebrating the Christmas spirit? Someone else said, being home and not being on the road for the holidays. Uh, somebody else said, uh, when asked, what are you celebrating? They said, this Christmas, I'm celebrating the birth of Christ. Uh, and lastly, somebody responded, uh, what, when asked what they were celebrating, nothing. I just want to get through it. You know, so, I mean, there really is a mixture of uh, this, this weekend... Uh, Christmas season can be such a mixed bag for so many people. For so many people, they really just feel like, I just want to get through it. Uh, I mean, it's just like, I just got to endure it. Other folks really embrace Christ, and uh, this is a season where they can really uh, celebrate and, and enjoy Christ. And uh, I want to obviously uh, pick up on that theme about celebrating the birth of Christ uh, because it is a big deal, and uh, it should be the focus of our parties and our celebrations, and this should be a season when we're celebrating. Uh, and yet, we know that the average person is having a party this weekend, but you know the guest of honor isn't really on it, being Jesus. I mean, it's like a Christmas party becomes a holiday party becomes you know drinking party becomes like just reason to party. Uh, but uh, Jesus can be relegated uh, to the sidelines and uh, I just obviously would like to unpack a little bit the gift that we have in Jesus and what a gift it really is uh, to get together and say okay let's just focus on who Jesus is what he came to do and how it's such a blessing to us and I want to unpack that a little bit but um, Hopefully you had a good night's sleep uh, because I want to unpack this a little bit. And, uh, you know, each uh, Christmas uh, you typically are preaching out of the Gospels and typically you're preaching out of the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke because those two Gospels tell the story uh, of Jesus' birth uh, with the most amount of detail. Uh, however, uh, as you well know if you've been coming regularly, I've been preaching out of uh, the book of John, loosely following along the guideline, the um, devotional that we handed out. 
And the Gospel of John uh, has a totally different uh, slant and a totally different take on, on Jesus, on the birth of Jesus, not on Jesus, but on the, the Christmas story. And so I wanted to uh, a, a look at that a, a little bit. Uh, but we want to be reminded right from the get-go that uh, the gift that we have in Jesus really is a gift from the Father. It's the love of the Father being represented uh, through His Son, being born as a baby, as a human baby, at the same time uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is a, a Trinity event, uh, the birth of Christ. And uh, so at the same time, when we think about the birth of Christ, I think we need to be mindful of the full uh, work of the Trinity in the birth of Christ. Uh, so... Uh, let me just uh, say what I'd love people to be able to get out of the sermon. I, I don't know how well I'm going to be able to communicate this, because on the one hand, I want to sort of touch on the immeasurable gift of Christ, uh, just the sort of unfathomable, um, incredible thing that Christ has done by coming as a baby into this world. But on the more tangible uh, side, I would just love it if somehow or other we connected with the power of the Holy Spirit where we were just, uh, you know, refreshed by the joy of God, by the love of the Father that He has for us. That, it, you know, in the one way we can look at it, uh, the unfathomable side, and try and look at that. But on the other hand, we look at the personal side and how God loves each one of us personally and He would love us to be filled with His joy. The fact that we can have a sense of, of purpose and peace and hope. Uh, and this Christmas, uh, this sermon, I would just like in some way that the Spirit would empower us, give us hope, give us peace, give us joy, and that it wouldn't just be something we see on a Christmas card or you give a lot of lip service to, but we actually experience it in some way, shape, or form. So, uh, Jesus, I just welcome you in this service. We just ask for your Holy Spirit to be here in power, to fill us with your joy, uh, that you would impart to us what only you can do. Uh, Lord, I'm just encouraged by every person that's here today, and uh, that you would just lift them up. You would speak to them personally. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I uh, want to look at uh, three different scriptures today or three different uh, sections of Scripture. Uh, and I want to look at the highlights of each of these uh, sections. The first one would be the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1. And uh, I want to look at like what I think is the highlight of the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And it's uh, pretty difficult to pick a highlight because the whole chapter is pretty intense and, and is, 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 is powerful. And then I want to look at Genesis chapter 1 and say, well, what would be the highlight of Genesis chapter 1? And uh, then I want to jump over to Revelation uh, chapter 21 and say, well, what's the highlight of that chapter? Because there's a very strong thread that's linking these all together. So uh, if you will, uh, bear with me or uh, follow with me rather than just uh, bearing with me. And uh, let's have a look at... At, this, at these, uh, these sections. The Gospel of John, 
The highlight for me would be John 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 14. And it says this, So the Word became human and made His home among us. You know, so here you have this incredible event, the birth of Christ, uh, becoming human, God becoming human, and being with us. Now, this as many of you are so familiar with this uh, build-up to this text, uh, it's sort of like the key which unlocks sort of a cryptic poem, or uh, you, you start reading this when you've read the Gospel of John for the first time, it's like, what exactly is going on here? And uh, so let me read it to you, and then I'll show you why I say it unlocks it, because the word, word, is what unlocks it. But if I'm reading from the beginning, it says this. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. Now, you talk about an opening of a book which is pretty heady and get your head spinning. I mean, I know you're familiar with this because you've read it so many times, but just think of this as the opening of the gospel. It's like, what? What is going on? I mean, this, is, you know, this book has become one of the greatest books in literature, just outside of the Bible. Just like This is just such incredibly well-constructed, written, uh, and inspired uh, language. And this is why, because it's just so... It's just so unbelievably uh, rich. So let me try it again. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. It's just an incredible uh, piece of uh, literature, and it's an incredibly inspired uh, piece of writing because the, it's just so complex, it's so rich, it's so uh, rewarding. The more we unpack this, this is like a gift which just like keeps on giving. It's like you you get the one aspect and it's like, wow, there's more. And then you get that, wow, there's more. But, you know, for those of you that like algebra, uh, you know that often you solve for x. And like when you got x, then you can substitute x into the formula and it unpacks the rest of the formula. Well, for me, uh, verse 14 is like that because now all of a sudden you get x, the word. Like, what is this mysterious word? And so verse 14 tells us pretty easily, plainly, so the Word became human and made His home among us. It's like, oh, I get it. You're talking about Jesus. Yes. So now when you go back and you sort of read this uh, cryptic poem, you could read it by substituting X or substituting the Word. You could read it this way. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And this life brought light to everyone. 
The light shines in the darkness. Jesus shines in the darkness. And this darkness can never extinguish it. So, you know, when we see Jesus gave life to everything, Jesus was in the beginning. Jesus is God. I mean, it's just a, it's just a whole lot there. Now, uh, a few things I want to just sort of tease out in this. Uh, firstly, as you open this up, uh, uh, bells should be ringing in your head, uh, not jingle bells, but uh, the bells of like familiar phraseology. And the familiar phrase is, in the beginning. This should be, you know, screaming that this is Genesis, because as we will soon see, Genesis starts with the exact phraseology. And it's not accidental. Uh, John was very uh, clever, let's just say inspired, just very inspired uh, writing uh, this opening thing. So the beginning of John, the beginning of the gospel message, the beginning of the birth story of Jesus starts with the language, in the beginning. And uh, then we realize that, wait a bit, this story about Jesus, the birth of Jesus, actually reaches a whole lot further back than just Jesus' birth as a baby in the manger. We see that Jesus created everything. And then if you're a little slow on the uptake, or if you just really like poetry, uh, this uh, sentence goes both ways. It goes in the positive and it goes in the negative. It says, uh, God created everything through him. And then if you didn't like get that, like you didn't get like the word everything, means like everything. Uh, just in case you wanted to cut it short a little bit, like Jesus created a lot of things, but not everything. The very next sentence says, and nothing was created except through him. And then you say, that probably means he created everything. I mean, it's just like, any, and then you're like, you know, your head is spinning. And again, you're going back to Genesis. There's the intentionality here. This Jesus is more than just a baby. Uh, this Jesus is like fully God. This Jesus is like empowered by the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's like, it's just like exciting stuff. Well, it is for me. And then it says in verse 4, uh, Jesus, the Word, gave life to everything that was created. I mean, so, okay, you can have things which are like created, but they're dead, but Jesus breathes life into things. And again, from a personal standpoint, we ask, God, will you breathe your life into us? Will you give us your Holy Spirit? Will you make us come alive? Will you give us hope and joy and peace? And, and you know, I'm going through a hard time. It's a difficult family situation. There's, you know, whatever. We say, God, give me life. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm being sucked dry. And Jesus is like, I'd love to give you life. Uh, I'm the author of life. I have the ability to breathe life into you. Uh, it's very uplifting. And then, it's, you know, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. I mean, one facet of God is that God is light. He's this blinding light. I mean, he's this uh, gentle light. He brings things to the light. Uh, he illuminates. But life, I mean, he gives us life. And it's the opposite of that is darkness. And when things come alive and come into the light, we thank, uh, we thank the Lord. We say, Lord, thank you for your light. Uh, then with that great uh, opening, uh, John the Baptist then carries on with this idea of the, the light. And it's uh, verse 6 says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light 
so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and, he, and they rejected him. But to all who believe and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And then verse 14, the highlight. So the Word became human and made his home among us. You know, so we would say that the story of Jesus, the Christmas story, uh, doesn't start with uh, Jesus being born in a manger. It goes before that. It goes back to the beginning. And uh, if you look at the classic accounts of uh, the, the gospel uh, story of Jesus' birth, Matthew and Luke primarily, but if you look at Matthew, Matthew opens with this genealogy. And so uh, you, you read that as a start and you say, wait, the birth of Christ, it's before baby Jesus. And it's like, not like, well, it's like teenagers, okay, Mary. And it's not like they think, wow, what a mystery. I wonder how this happened. Uh, Jesus, we just got, like, got pregnant. And what a, what a, it goes even before that story. I mean, you could go back and say, well, what about Auntie Elizabeth? You know, how did she become pregnant? And she's kind of old and, you know. So, and then you dig a little bit further back into this genealogy, and you're like, wait, there's a whole bunch of weird crooked crooks and weird people and people that shouldn't be part of this gene genealogy. I mean, the story of Jesus starts pushing backwards, and you think, my gosh, I come from a dysfunctional family. And then you look at this genealogy, and you're like, wait, the Messiah comes from a very dysfunctional family. I mean, like there's prostitutes in there, and there's people that shouldn't even be in there, like murderers. And, and then like the Jewish people were like, you know, one of the laws of the Old Testament was like, you've got to marry within the Jewish custom. And that was like a big deal. And, you know, ah, well, in Jesus' genealogy, there's got all sorts of people that weren't Jewish, you know, coming in there. And it's like, wow. Uh, I mean, it, it gives us hope. I mean, even Judah. I mean, that guy was pretty crooked, you know. I mean, Judah, like, didn't he sell his brother Joseph? Like, hey, let's just get some money out of this guy, you know. Uh, and then... I won't even get into the sexual side of these things because it gets kind of weird. I mean, like you start reading this stuff in Genesis like 37. It's like, oh, I don't know if I want to read this to my kids. You know, it's like, how do I explain this stuff? Let's move on. I mean, the story of Jesus goes back and it goes back and it's intriguing and it's uplifting. It's, it's really, uh, really hope-giving because Jesus is practical. It's not like some, you know, mythological thing. I mean, who would have dreamt of a story like that of Jesus, of genealogy like that? The thing that gives it so much practical significance is we can relate to it. We can relate to Jesus. He is, he's relatable, and he loves us. And he says, I want to uh, you know, make home with, a home with you. I, I, I want to uh, live in your heart. I want to be around you. I want to be in your thoughts. I want to illuminate. Yeah, that's, that's the Jesus that we're talking about. But if we go back uh, now to, uh, to, to Genesis... And we look at the way the Bible opens up, the start of the book, and lo and behold, it 
it starts with a very uh, familiar opening phrase, in the beginning. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. Now, we're sort of unpacking and unlocking this mystery now that we've read John, and we know that Jesus created everything, and nothing was created except through Jesus. Uh, in a similar way, we can read the opening of creation, Genesis, uh, and not only can we read God, we can say in the beginning, Jesus created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. I mean, my gosh, the Bible is barely opened and we've got the Trinity just like jumping out at us here. It's like, wow. You know, so we can never sort of relegate, as many would do, especially my Jewish friends, which would say, why bother praying to Jesus? I just want to pray to God. I don't need middleman Jesus. It's like, oh, well, you've missed something pretty big and significant because Jesus is God. And uh, there's just no way around that. It's a fullness of God. It's an understanding of God. And then what does it say straight after it? This in verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. I mean, the very facet we've just seen who Jesus is. He's light. And the first thing he does is create light in this, in this place. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And then he separated the light from the darkness, called the light day and the darkness night. That evening passed, and the morning came, and marked the, uh, the first, marking the first day. Now, the highlight of Genesis uh, chapter 1 uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to pick a highlight because you've got the whole creation of everything. But for me, the highlight of, of chapter 1 would actually be verse 31 because God says this, Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. Now, the thing that was very good was you and me. He created humans. It's the creation of humanity uh, in verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And that's what he says is very good. Everything else in Genesis, God says, that's good, that's good, this is good. But when he makes us humans, he said, that's very good. And that's why Jesus, when he's born, is born in the form of human. Very good. I mean, God is very much for us. I mean, he's created us in his image. Uh, God's love for us is like hard for us to fully uh, digest, understand, experience, walk out. And yet God desires that we uh, really fully love him. Uh, a few other things to just uh, notice here in, uh, in this opening book here of, of Genesis. Uh, it's just the, you know, again, the significance of the word light the significance of the fact that God is creating uh, humans. Uh, and the way that Hebrews, the New Testament book Hebrews, sort of ties us together. I'll read this to you, Hebrews uh, 4.3. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Uh, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. And it's sort of like Genesis is one of these 
I don't know, uh, books that people can't sort of read nowadays. It's almost like you mention Genesis or creation to somebody and all of a sudden there's an argument. It's like, well, I don't believe in creation. I believe in evolution. And, and it's like, wait a bit. It, it, don't miss the story. Don't miss the big story here. Don't get like sidetracked. Uh, you don't go to a restaurant, pick up the menu and say, wow, this is just incredible stuff they got in this menu. Wow, well, this is just delicious. Oh, this is absolutely incredible. And then you leave. No, you, you say, that's incredible. I want the food. Now I want to eat it. I want to enjoy it. And uh, in the same way, when we read the book of Genesis, we shouldn't like be sidetracked in some scientific-like argument. It's like the book of Genesis wasn't written like for some scientific experimentation. It was written so we can understand God, that God wants to connect with us, that God has relationship to us. And yeah, as a byproduct, there's like science stuff in there, but that's not the focus of the book. And if you make it the focus of the book, you miss the fact that God wants to communicate with you and with me, and, and Genesis opens up a lot of these keys. Or, you know, you don't have to know how a car engine works to enjoy your car. You can quite happily drive around and enjoy your car. And for example, I know many of you are like really experts on your car. Do you know this simple fact? This, this is a simple car truth, and I'm very reluctant to tell you the story because you're going to, as soon as you leave here, you're going to rush into your car. And you're going to check this out because you're not going to believe me. But if you didn't know which side your gas tank was on in your car, like you, you jump in a rental car or your kids want to use your car and uh, they get down to the gas pump, you run out of gas and it's like, which side is the gas tank on? How do you know which side the gas tank's on? Do you know that on your console, in your car, at the gas tank symbol, is an arrow, left or right. Every car's got it. Did you know that? Now you're all going to rush and check it out. Like Robert, you said, I've got to check, check it out. It's in your car. It's been there since like forever. Now the point I'm trying to make is this: you might not have known that. It doesn't matter. You still enjoy your car. You drive it. You love your car. You don't have to know everything about it. Genesis is like that. You don't have to understand like all the scientific like how. Just enjoy God. Like really, that God loves you and this. He's connecting it, kind of significant, you know. Anyway, that's for free, by the way. Um, <laughs> how to fix your car or not run out of gas or I don't know where you put that in. Uh, anyway, um, I have been talking a lot about uh, in the series about trying to not limit Christmas just to the birth of Christ, but to the return of Christ. And uh, in this uh, week's uh, Wall Street Journal, there was an interesting article, interesting to me anyway, written by a Jewish rabbi. And uh, he was saying, I don't understand why everybody gets so uh, offended by uh, people saying Merry Christmas. He said, I I'm an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. I uh, uh, have no problem saying Merry Christmas. Uh, he said, uh, Christians and Jews, us Jews and those Christians, as he wrote in his article, he said, we have one thing in common. Uh, we, both, we both believe in Jesus, uh, and we're both looking forward to the Messiah returning. Uh, he said, that, in his words, the only difference, and he made it sound like a small difference. For me, it's like a huge difference. He said, the only difference, the only dispute that we have, us Jews with those Christians, is whether the Messiah has already come. He said, but besides that, we're both looking forward to the fact that he's going to come. And I'm like, yeah, we are looking forward to the fact he's going to come. 
but he has already come, you know, and it's no small thing. But still, he's dead right in one sense because uh, what the Jews are still anticipating is the return of the Messiah or the Messiah coming. And for us Christians, I think we forget about, you know, the return of Christ. And so Advent, the Advent season building up to Christmas is both looking at the future expectation of God's Messiah returning, of the return of Christ, and it's the birth of Christ. It's what happened in the past and what's going to happen in the future. Or if you're looking at the Old Testament, it's always looking to the future, what's going to happen, because they missed the Messiah coming part. So, uh, uh, you know, as part of our uh, understanding of Christ and of the Holy Spirit, uh, unless we have an anticipation of uh, Christ returning and a desire and a longing for Christ's return, we really shortchange ourselves. Uh, we really miss out. And it's kind of hard, actually, to read most of the New Testament where the Apostle Paul is saying you know, to us, and actually John and Peter, saying, hey, listen, live a life worthy of a follower of Christ, because Jesus is coming soon. Now, I'm sure all of them thought like Jesus is coming in their lifetime or very soon thereafter. You know, even though you get passages that say, you know, for God, like, you know, one day is like a thousand years and, you know, there's just no issue with time. And boy, do we all struggle with God's timing and issue of time. We was like, God, now, now, help me, I'm praying, you know, bail me out now. And God's like, yeah, in due time, in good time, and you'll work on your character and your spirit, yeah, later. And we're like, no, I'm like, I mean, time is just a mystery for us. And, you know, again, how do we get our head around the fact that we're going to be, you know, with Christ in eternity? I mean, eternity is a concept we just, our little minds can't get our head around. But anyway, I want to close with, um, with Revelation uh, chapter uh, 21 and just look at the highlight here. Uh, and I'm looking at verse 5 through 7. Well, let me give you what I think is a highlight, and I'll back into it. Uh, verse 7, it says this, All who were victorious, all who are victorious, will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Uh, in other words, it's culminating in a whole bunch of statements here, and God is saying He will be our God, we, He will see us as His children, He will be with us, present, and we will spend eternity with them. There's this uh, expectation, there's this excitement, there's this call to a different standard of living, to a different, uh, uh, you know, working to uh, or following a different compass, you know, just like, okay, we're on this bead with we're following Christ. There's a reward, there's an excitement, there's an expectation that we are going to experience the fullness of Jesus. Uh, in person, and uh, as believers with the Holy Spirit in us, we just like lean towards it. We say, yes, now, now, God, I need it now. I want more of you now. But the build-up for that is this. It says, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. Again, going back to John 1.1, going back to Genesis 1.1, it's creation. It got corrupted. God said, I'm going to make it perfect again. And perfect is going to be, I'm going to be present with my children, my people. I will make everything new, he said to me. Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. 
It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And again, it's like the bells start going off. Wait, this is Jesus we're talking about. Because Jesus says a little bit further on, I am the Alpha and Omega, Jesus speaking. And uh, he was there right in the beginning. Uh, so I am the beginning, I am the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And so, like a kid anticipating a Christmas present, uh, we should be anticipating, we should have a thirst. Uh, we should be thirsty, saying, God, I just, I just long for more of you. And so, I think the Christmas present that, like I said, we can give Jesus is our lifestyle, the way we live, the way we worship Him, the fact that we, you know, participate in uh, His idea, church, and say, God, I just want my life to honor you. And our true gift that we get from Jesus is comprehending just how incredible He is and the fact that He's saying, I'm giving you as a gift, as a free gift, my Holy Spirit to live within you uh, so that we can relate so that I can encourage you, so that I can give you advice, so that I can go before you. I mean, this is the gift that Jesus is giving us. And he's saying, of course, uh, to have relationship with God, you need to be perfect. And Jesus came for the purpose of dying, to say, okay, you're not perfect, you never will be perfect, but I'm going to represent you, I'm going to be the perfect sacrifice, I'll be the person that makes connection to God. Your role is to believe, your role is to receive. And as I said last night, your role is to cleave. It's just to like hang on to God. And that's what we do. That's what we do with the free gift that Jesus has given us. So Jesus, I just thank you this Christmas that uh, you have given people to worship you. You've allowed us to comprehend who you are. You've allowed our hearts to receive you. Uh, Lord, and I just pray for your people that they would be empowered by your spirit to live according to your precincts and according to your ways. And Lord, as they do so, they will experience the joy, the hope, and the peace, and your love just pouring into them. And Lord, I just pray that you'd spare them the misery of just walking away from you, going into darkness, the pain and the suffering that that uh, brings. So Lord God, I just thank you on this particularly special Christmas, being on a Sunday, and for your people, that you would bless them mightily. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Why don't we have the worship team uh, come on up. And uh, next Sunday is uh, New Year's Day. And, uh, you know, again, uh, for those of you that uh, make it out New Year's Day, I want to be talking about uh, our church, a vision for our church, what makes us uh, unique or different to other churches. I also uh, want to talk a little bit about how next year can be a blessing uh, to you guys and uh, what, it, what it takes to uh, be connected with God, to hear His voice. How do we personally, what are the things that we can do to make next year really a blessed year. I mean, what are the things that we do to hear God's voice? So we'll talk about that New Year's Day next Sunday. And then uh, in January, we want to do, I want to do a series called Be Blessed, uh, looking at the book of Ephesians 
and looking at some of the major uh, topics uh, that come up in that really short but really powerful book. So why don't we stand uh, and uh, let's worship God.